Hi guys, and welcome back to the show. This is Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. If you're new here, which you might be, we are all about debunking that it girl life. But another big thing we love to talk about on this podcast is kind of like pulling back the curtain on the entertainment industry. You know, I think these things look so easy when you're you know, enjoying them from entertainment. And there's so much more work that goes on behind the scenes. And I think that's really true of stand-up too. So today I'm joined by Mary, who is a stand-up comedian. And we kind of talk about just like what the journey is of being a stand-up, you know, there's so much more work than just like getting up on stage and thinking like you can just talk to a room of people because like you're funny with your friends. It is so much more work, not to mention it's a lot of trial and error and also really throwing yourself out there. And that's a big thing that I love that Mary brings up in this episode. She really points out how much you just got to shoot your shot. And I think that applies to any industry you are in. So guys, without further ado, this is Mary. (laughs) So you want to be an it girl? Guys, welcome back to the podcast today. We are joined by Mary. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm super excited. So for the audience, can you tell us what you do? Okay, so I am a comedian. I, um, yeah, I started comedy about four years ago. Yeah, it's a whole story, but basically I'm a- No, give us the story. <laughs> we want the story. Your host. Yeah, um, it's kind of a, a big convoluted one, but basically um, I started while well, I was working. It just, it goes all the way back to college, honestly. We love that. Okay. <laughs> I'm like trying to find the best starting point, but oh yeah, it started in college. I um, was helping produce a TV show for my college station and that's where I like fell in love with writing. I had this like little advice segment called Dear Mary and I would like write satire advice letters to myself and then I would answer them. So yeah, I started um, doing that, writing these satire advice letters and my crew like in the studio was like laughing at what I was saying. And then other like students would come up to me and be like, oh my God, I saw that thing that you said on TV and like would recite it to me. And I was like, wow. So like what I'm saying like resonates with people. Like that's cool. And that's where I got my first taste of like, maybe I have a voice and I really like want to use it. And so then I graduated, I started working at a TV station, um, like a news TV station. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, well, that's oh, wow. the way to get into television was working at your local news. And it was so just depressing and sad. And news is a very toxic work environment. I mean, you are overworked and underpaid, underappreciated. Um, so many hours you have to leave your family and travel across the country and get shit money. And it's just crazy. So I did that for about nine months. And then I quit. I became a bartender and I started doing stand-up and improv and I never looked back. I started doing comedy in uh, central Pennsylvania, where I'm from, for like seven months. I got a tight five and I was like, I'm ready. I'm going to California. What's, what's, okay. What's a tight five? We have so no tight clue. five. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in stand-up, a tight five is like your you're just your five minute set, basically. Mm-hmm. So um I felt that I I had that. Like I just basically jokes about myself, like, hi guys, my name mm-hmm. is Mary. I'm from here, I'm like this. And um, so it was just basically like my um little like intro set. Um, I felt that I had that down and I was like, I guess that's enough. That's all I need. So 
I moved to California and that's another crazy story too, of how I got out here. Um, I reached out to this aunt who I never knew existed. We had never met before in in our lives. We just had the same last name. So I was like, we must be related, I guess. I found her IMDb and I knew that she had done like acting and writing work. So I reached out to her and I was like, I want to be a comedian. I want to be a writer. And I sent her some stuff, like some of my tapes. And she was like, yeah, like you have something like come out here. I believe in you. And she let me and my roommate who was just here live with her for like three months. Wow. Yeah. To help get us started in LA and get settled in. And she was just such a godsend and she's like my soul sister. And it's so crazy that I never even knew she existed until like a few years ago. And now we're just like inseparable. And her daughter is... Abby from the show Love on the Spectrum. Oh my God. Do you, do you watch that show? (laughs) No, but I know what it is. That's just so wild. It's so weird. The whole thing is just absolutely insane. And it's even crazier that like Christine was an actress and a writer and she had all these dreams and then she became a mom and she kind of had to put those dreams aside to be an amazing mom. And it fucking paid off because she is such She's just like so patient and understanding and she's, you know, made this amazing daughter who's now on TV sharing her story to the world and she's on TikTok now and they're just so like, um, they're just like advocates for, for really. And, um, and so it's kind of just crazy how that all worked out. And it's like such a full circle moment for her. Um, and then I just get to, you know, be a part of it and help out. And, and it's really just so, so crazy how I didn't even know about them. And now yeah, they're my, my family. So that's an LA story. I've never heard. I've heard like, like crashing on people's couches and whatnot, but I had never heard you had an aunt or like a relative you didn't know. Turns out like you're literally (laughs) cut from the same cloth and then on top of it, her daughter explodes. Like that's not one I hear often. I hear a lot of, I moved to LA stories. Like, right. It, it's totally, completely crazy. And she has introduced us to so many people and just changed our lives. And it's really just remarkable how, you know, she just, she, yeah, she just changes people's lives. And I'm so glad that I get to be a part of it. <laughs> it's just so crazy. So you move out here with what we call it a type five, a type five, a yeah. type five. And I then getting the comedy lingo. I love it. Yeah. So like what, okay. Entertainment it, as we know, like is not a do X, do Z get B like there's no, those letters don't even line up. That's kind of more how it is, but it's no like, um, you yeah, know, a, a doctor goes into medical school and then residency and whatever that is not true for the entertainment, but is there like any loose, like you move with the type five, which by the way, it took you seven months to make the type five. Right. Right. Yeah. I would right. Say. Okay. Right. And I'm like, okay, noted. Like I particularly with stand-up, I think uh, and I was under this impression before living in LA too, that people just think like you just show up and you just like stand on stage and whatnot and go. It's so much back end work. So I've got two questions going yeah. here. Like on one hand, like what is everything going into the type five before you move, whatever? And then kind of like if you can break it down, like what are kind of like the milestones of stand-up? Yeah, no, that's a great question question. You're exactly right. There's just not one linear path to this. There's just like so many different ways that you can go. And that's why it's just like, it's really overwhelming. You have to be such a self-starter. You have to be a like business minded, you have to network. It's just so many different elements.
elements that go into your own path. But that's another thing is that it's your path and you can't like compare yourself to anyone else because it's so easy to get blindsided and like see someone else doing their thing and going on their path and you can compare and despair, but it's just like, you just focus in your lane and do the best that you can. And, you know, and it just all kind of works out. So for me personally, I started um, just writing about myself and who I am and what I want to say. That's really my comedy is just like trying to be honest, tell vulnerable stories and just try and be relatable to like young women who are my age. And then when I got my set, I, I, like I said, I moved out to LA and I just hit every single open mic that I could. I mean, I was on um, all these websites, looking at every single open mic. I would, and I was based in Sherman Oaks, but I went from Pasadena to Venice, to Hollywood, to Long Beach. And I just tried to do that same five minute set to as many audiences as I could. And it was basically like my intro. Like I said, like, hi, I'm Mary. This is my story and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of how that helped me to just like meet a bunch of people and get Mm -hmm. booked on shows. Um, And then from there, I started producing and hosting my own shows, which I think is really important that not a lot of people think about. But if you want stage time out in LA, you have to make it yourself. You know, there's so many shows that are happening. There's just so many ways to get lost in the scene Mm -hmm. like you could be really funny but it felt like I needed like like a token to like offer people you know what I mean like so I um and I was so hungry when I got here I mean I would I would not take no for an answer I was so persistent I was yeah I'm I have to stop you there because I'm dying to know because that's a thing a, a lot of people don't understand I think in general about any careers that you have to have the hunger but you also have to like kind of have the ask and like just go for it like, what is it when you walk in and you're like, I'm here for the open mic? Like, what did you say? How did you keep your composure? Like, oh my gosh. no, right. It's like, and this is so long ago. So it's like bringing back all these like fresh memories. Love that. Being a new comic. <laughs> and um, because I came out here about, so I've been doing comedy for like four years. So when I first got to an open mic, I'm like trying to remember like what the first one was, but you just kind of walk in, you, you, tra- you take notice of the scene. You're like, okay, who's the guy with the note? Like, is there a sign in sheet? Like, yeah, what? Exactly. you're like, who has the notebook and the paper? That's what you're looking right. for. Is there Look a for the person with the notebook. Right. <laughs> like, so you go up to that person you're like, Hey, I'm here for the open mic. Like, how can I sign up? They tell you, you usually, a lot of people don't know this too, but you have to usually pay like $5 for five minutes of stage time, which okay. is such, it's, it's just so funny that like stand up <laughs> it just takes years to even make anything i mean you're just right. like giving out so much money just to get on stage just to do right. five minutes in front of like five people sometimes yep. it's just such a crazy thing so if you can even stick with it for several years it's just you know it's it's i love it because it's so crazy but it can be you know undesirable like right like you can't like boing the ego there like you're paying five dollars for you to be on stage like <laughs> i'm gonna get real micro with it like you're literally paying for your butt to be on stage to perform for five people who don't maybe give a fuck about you and it just is what it is and that's why a lot of people go in an entertainment and they don't make it because you have to do shit like that it is not all like it's not rainbows and fucking butterflies like crazy yeah thing so 
started doing that. And, you know, then you just kind of make friends and you kind of just see the people who, and a lot of comics starting out are young 20 year olds. So luckily I was able to meet people my age. And one of the open first open mics I started going to was in Sherman Oaks called Corky's Lounge Mm -hmm. and, um, or the Cork Lounge or whatever, Corky's, whatever. So they had this little like bar in the back and it was like red velvet seats and booths and it just like dim lighting. And it was a mixed mic. So they did music and comedy. And that's just where I met like my greatest friends who are still my best friends to this day. And one of the musician is now like performing at the Troubadour next month. So like we've really like come up together and uh, we've just like seen each other really hustle through everything. And it's, I would, another like thing I would say is just like meet your friends and just like hold on to those people and like really support them. And because like, it's so easy to, again, like compare yourself and like be jealous of other people's progress, but like what's good for your friends is what's good for you. So if you mm-hmm. support your people, like it's going to work out for you too, you know? Yeah. That's a huge reason behind this whole podcast is like, you know, the compare and despair is so real in so many different places now. I mean, social media for, to begin with, but like in entertainment or just career trajectories in general, like yeah. you can really get so lost in that, like blah, 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 did this and blah, blah, did that. And I say this all the time on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> You are like the sum of like the five people you're closest to. So yeah. it's like, you know, the, they're, if they are succeeding and you are supporting them and being like, you've been there all along, like at some point, like that's going to come back to you, but you have to be truly, I hate the word authentic, but like authentic. And like in that, you know, appreciation towards them, like it can't be half-assed. You can't just wait for them to be already performing at the Troubadour right. or yeah. whatever to be like, Hey, like I knew this person then it's like, no, you have to stick there it out the whole time. And it, it will eventually affect you as a person and you as a career too, but it's yeah. so hard. It, it It's not easy. It is so hard. Yeah. I die with it like every <laughs> other day. It's, and especially, yeah, with social media, it's just, oh, it's such a game of like, who's doing better. But yeah, I mean, just, just, find your, find your people and support each other and produce shows with each other and help each other out. And I mean, that will just go such a long way. Cause when it is like a solo game, it is like swimming, like you're in your own lane, but like, you just need other people to support you and, and, and keep you afloat and keep you grounded. And, um, and I definitely have that, but it did take a while, especially being a woman in comedy too. Like it was really hard because I would go to these open mics and sometimes I'd be the only girl and you know, you get off stage and and a lot of times, honestly, I do talk about sex a lot. And sometimes as an early comic, you, you talk about that just cause that's just kind of what, you know, and what's funny and your, your, you know, crazy hookup stories and stuff. So I yeah. feel like a lot of times new comics do talk about sex and then you get off stage and male comics are like, Oh, great set. And it's like, are you saying great set? Cause you actually need it. Or because you want to have sex with me. <laughs> no, and, that's so valid. Yeah. So, so much going on in that dynamic. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's hard to see past it. It's hard to know like who wants to be your friend, who wants to write with you or who wants to actually write with you. Um, so that was really hard too, just like trying to like navigate that. Um, I didn't really have like too many problems with like, you know, creepy open micers. There's so many stories like that. Just like, you know, gross guys. I obviously I've heard so many, like a lot of open mics can be like misogynistic, homophobic, trans, like all that. And that is really unsettling, but you just got to go to the places that are accepting. And like I said, you have to create your own spaces. Like sometimes, you know, there's just so much 
happening that you have to be in control of your yeah. own stage time. And so that's, that's what I did after I remember like one night I was doing a show of flappers and I was just feeling so inspired that I went to this like hookah lounge that was in my neighborhood on Ventura Boulevard and mm-hmm. Sherman Oaks. And I just like walked in there and I was like, hi, my name is Mary. I'm a new comic. And like, we need to start an open mic here. Like, I don't know how yes. we're going to do it, but like, that's, it's going to happen. This soon. is what's happening. Gonna- so yeah. get on board or get out. <laughs> really not even ask questions. I was just like, Hey, this is like what we're going to do. And they'd be like, who are you? Like, we don't even know you. What are you talking about? I'm like, I'll bring the equipment. I'll bring all the people. I'll make you money. Like that's just it. (laughs) And, and they're like, um, okay. And so we did, uh, like a month later, I set up a, like an open mic. It was, was this place called Hamptons 818. It was legitimately a hookah lounge. And the first open mic that we did there um, Kaylee Kuko was like in the audience. Shut the fuck up. I would have shown you. Dude, she was just like trying to enjoy her meal while there was shitty open micers, like doing like, like bad sets. And so that was kind of funny. And another like crazy story that happened out of there. Um, there's another comedian, uh, Brandon T. Jackson, who was in the movie Tropic Thunder. He was like a regular at this bar. So, um, the owners told him that we were having an open mic and he like showed up one night, like intentionally for the comedy. And I was like, holy shit. Like, do you want to go up? But he was like, nah, I'm just here chilling, like observing, just like being around new comics. Like I like this energy. And he was like, you have great energy. Like you're really enthusiastic, like keep it up. And then, um, I never forgot about that. It was so cool. And then I, um, was going home to central Pennsylvania for mother's day weekend, like flash forward, like six, seven months later. And I got an email from the Gooby's joke house, which is in Baltimore, just this like, you know, comedy club. And it said, see Brandon T. Jackson this weekend. Uh And I was like, wait, holy shit. This guy's going to be performing the same weekend that I'm going home. So on the fucking flight there, I DM him, Hey, I'm going to like be in town. Could I do like a guest spot for you? Fuck yeah, you did. And he goes, sure. Come through. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, how did that work? How did that work? It's just, you put in the effort, you shoot your shot. The worst he could say is no. Right. And like, okay. Like, uh, I love this story because this is exactly what I'm like. I mean, I love, I personally love hearing these stories, but also on top of it, it's just like, do your thing. Keep, keep going. Not be an asshole. Number one rule. Don't be an asshole. And just like you kept, it was so smart. You kept the relationship like alive. You did, you just DM'd him. It wasn't like you were blowing up his phone. Yeah. Like it was just a like moment of just like, but you asked. The yeah. he, he wasn't even just like, Hey, I'm going to the show. Like, you know, maybe I'll get a cool pick backstage, whatever. No, like you had a clear and direct ask. You were literally like, I don't give a fuck. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to ask to do a guest spot. Yeah. And he said, yes. So often people are willing to help us, but we don't know how to ask because we feel that going back to the kind of compare and despair, like wait, like you're like, Oh, they're X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Because the worst that could happen is no. And you don't have to tell anybody you ever did it. So just like, <laughs> run in your corner and hide like don't exactly do I mean Who cares so many people also like hold on to pride they're like I, I don't want to ask I want to be yeah. asked and it's like then you're just going to be overlooked like there's so right. like people are waiting for you to take an opportunity you know that's that's just what it is is like if it's there then you ask and like I said the worst thing that could happen is he says no and then you don't tell anyone about it you just you either show up to the show and you support him or you mm. don't and it's just 
I've always like asked, but I always know like, when is it the right time to do it? Like, had I never met him before, obviously I wouldn't have asked, but like the fact that I knew him, I met him, he complimented me. And I was like, I think there is an opportunity here. I'm just going to go for it. Um, But I also think it's really important to like show up and support other shows and um, just like be around the people that you want to be. Like Mm -hmm. I was all... You know, I was just like a comedy store rat when I first moved. Like I was there all the time at the comedy store, at the improv. And um, this is, I just, I feel like I have so many crazy stories. But... I love crazy stories. We love crazy okay. stories. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So going back to my aunt Christine, who let me live with her is my, my godsend soul sister. She also is related to a comedian. His name is Jay Larson on her dad's side. So like, mm. Me and Jay aren't technically related, but like we kind of call each other cousins just because we're related. We're both related to her. Got it. So she was like, you gotta meet him. Um, he's like a great comedian and he is, he's a killer. He goes up at the comedy store in the improv all the time. So when I first moved, I was there all, like anytime he had a show at the improv, I was there. Anytime he had a show at the comedy store, I was there. He was like, you're my fucking shadow kid. Like, what are you doing? And like, I, <laughs> and I did it in a way that obviously I was annoying and persistent, but like, I don't know. I feel like that was just a part of my charm or something. Like I kind of got away with it. Like I, I wasn't like pestering and I, was, I would try and be helpful, you know? And like, if, if you need me to like take your set or take pictures or just like offer something that would be helpful to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So after a while we, you know, became better friends and, um, I was in Massachusetts, which is like where my family is from and where Jay and Christine and uh, like everyone is, is from Massachusetts. So I was there with my family and, um, we were just looking at the laugh Boston calendar and they were like, Oh my God, Jay Larson is going to be at laugh Boston in two weeks. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I immediately texted him and I was like, hi, um, I, if you need a host, like I'm, I'm there, I can do it. And he goes, um, Hmm. Let me think about it. He goes, send me a tape. I send him a tape. He goes, I'll send it to the booker, sends it to the booker, wait a week. And he goes, okay, you're in. If you can get yourself there, you can host. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. This is my, this is like my big opportunity to like host at a club for a whole weekend. And I was already in Boston, like for like two weeks ago. So I had to go back to LA, book a flight, fly back. And it was like $700, dude, just to like get out there. But you and, did it. <laughs> but I did it. I was like, this is a, this is an investment in my career. It's going to pay off. I'm going to get a good tape from it. I'm going to get my whole family to come out. Like I just, I have to do this. Yeah. So I like flew out on a Thursday at like 7 a.m. I finally land in Massachusetts at 4 p.m. The show is at 7 p.m. Oh my God. <laughs> So I'm like at the airport with all my shit and I have to Uber to the club, which is luckily attached to a hotel. So I check in and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be hosting here tonight. Like, but I've been traveling all day. Can I just like use a room to shower? And they were like, fuck no, you have to pay for a room. So that was like another $200 down. I had to pay for a room just so that I could shower. Then I get ready, but I'm in a, I'm in a hotel. I'm like, I'm in Boston. I'm performing yeah. here in a city that my family's from. I'm just like feeling like I'm on cloud nine. I get to the club. I say hi to Jay and he's like, you know, there's usually a shower in the green room, Like you should have just checked. <laughs> and I was like, 
fuck? I just paid $200 to take a shower. But again, it was just like a learning lesson where I was like, that was supposed to happen for me to fuck up and, and learn. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the weekend went great. And another thing, my aunt Christine, who introduced us, uh-huh. she happened to be oh in Boston God. that fucking weekend. Just by chance. So she got, she got to see both of us perform on stage together in her city. Like it was just, again, just such a like serendipitous moment where I'm telling these stories and I'm feeling like I have like so much luck in this industry, but like I've been denied so many times. Don't get me wrong. I've been rejected so many times. I've shot my shot. I've been turned down, but I think it's just a combination of you have to work really hard. You have to have a little bit of luck. You have to have a little bit of connections and you have to also be funny. Like you can't just like have all of that, not show up and be good too. I would also add in, especially talking to you, just like, you're very clear. Like you, you're, you were clear and you're willing to take the risk. I think that gives off, you know, trust and like less anxiety and people are like more inclined to take somebody up on their ass when you have that energy, you know, your worth, you know, your worth of your work too, on top of it, but you know, your worth mm-hmm. as a person. And that's another thing too, that I often wonder if, you know, so many people get in, into entertainment or, you know, famous e-careers to, you know, be told they're, they're loved and, and appreciated. And it's like, no, if you didn't have that to begin with it's never going to come through because nobody wants to watch somebody not love themselves in a performative state it's really (laughs) it's scary (laughs) it's uncomfortable every single word that you're saying and like just to get everybody on board to believe you too because if yeah if you don't believe what you're saying then no one else is going to no um so yeah thank you for that I really appreciate that I do feel like I am very like clear and direct and I know what I want and I have such like tunnel vision of this dream and goal and um, and yeah, I, I, I feel like it, it has paid off for sure. I mean, obviously I have so much more to go and yes. also going into this, I knew like, cause I read, I mean, I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed with comedy like my whole life. And I I've read all of the, like, the comedian memoirs and I know that it takes like 10 to 15 years to mm-hmm. be anyone. Like you just have to put in so much work to even get people to just like pay money to see you perform live. It's such a long trajectory and I am just ready and willing to be on that journey for as long as it takes. And so many people are like, I'm not seeing the results yet. It's been three years. What am I doing? And they just quit. And it's like the people, I always say this, like the people who make it, and I'm probably not going to say this right, but like the people who make it, make it because they never gave up. Like, how do you know? Like, I'm sure Nikki Glaser wanted to quit so many times too, but she just didn't because she knew like, I'm Nikki Glaser. Like, this is just the beginning. It's eventually going to hit. That's yeah. Yeah. The thing is like, you know, I, uh, I was a professional or not even professional, like pre-professional dancer. I thought that's what I was going to do post-college. And, you know, I would go to auditions and I would, I, I would be hating it, but for a different reason. But my best friend at the time went to a lot of these auditions with me and she was like, well, we already beat everybody who didn't come. And she's so right because there's so many people who just will fade out and that's fine. If you need to fade out, you need to fade out. But like, if you need to keep going, just remember there's already so many people who it wasn't for them. They couldn't hack it. They couldn't keep going. That's so true. It's like, yeah, like you already got to this stage. You did. So you're you're like literally this stage and like also the stage that you're standing on. Like you're, you're hitting those milestones. You're making it. It's just, yeah, you just can't give up. I mean, unless you seriously hate it, but as long as you love what you're doing, you love what you're saying, you feel like you're, you know, doing your job, making people laugh and like having an impact and like, however, is that you like, you know, that, um, 
like success is different for everyone, obviously. And I mean, for me, I just want to like make a living off of this and be able to like, but I say that now. And then as soon as I'm able to make a living off of it, I'm going to be like, well, I mean, I need a Netflix special. And then as soon as I get a Netflix special, I'm like, oh, I need to be selling out stadiums or whatever. It's just like, so good goals to have. Like those are that, I think that's okay. I mean, I think what we can go into the compare and despair ones more is like, you have to get to those places, especially as an entertainment or entrepreneur and like pat yourself on the back and really take those moments to be like, I did do it. And like, you know, it's great. And even if it's just hitting a career goal, but then I don't think it's wrong to keep wanting more. Like, totally. well, that's how you become better. Yeah. It's right. like, if you think that you've achieved everything that you're capable of, then like, you're not pushing yourself to do more because right. you're always yeah, that this, there's no ceiling to this. And, the, and again, like the same thing with when you go to school to be a doctor, you go to school, mm-hmm. you become a doctor. And now what? you hit, you hit the ceiling with comedy. It's like just exponential opportunities. Right. And another thing I, I say that I think I heard from Fahim Anwar, which is one of my favorite comics. He always said that like stand up is like a vehicle to take you other places. So like you start in stand up and that's where you discover your voice and what you want to say and who you want to be and what you want to talk about. And then it leads to so many other things like acting and producing and um, and content, content creation and um, just uh, producing shows. Like it's just such a, a, a wheel that starts with stand up. So, I mean, for anyone who's listening, who wants to be in entertainment, I always say start there because it is just, Mm -hmm. it's the best way to get like instant gratification. Like if you want to be a script writer, you write a script and it sits on your computer for six months and no one ever reads it. But if you take the jokes that you wrote in your script and you do it on stage, you know, immediately if they're funny or not, it's just the most like instant gratification, like form of entertainment. I feel like, like no one's stopping you from getting on stage. Anyone can do it. Right. But that's also like the downfall of it too. Sometimes anybody (laughs) and literally anybody could do it. So sometimes you're in a room with people who are, like I said, like massage, misogynistic homophobic and they're just kind of spewing hate and it's like right you know it's it's hard to be in that kind of environment when it's like are you just saying this stuff because you have no other friends who would listen to you or yeah <laughs> or, or do you just but, think it's uh, controversial so you want to put it out there because for some reason we've become so addicted to like viewing a controversial clip or whatever so i feel like right. that's like so you yeah, just want yeah. to get up here and scream it at people but okay <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, who knows? It's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a weird, I mean, I love that anybody can do it, but that's also mm-hmm. yeah, like the downfall that literally anybody right. could do it, but you have to just like climb the ranks and, um, just focus on, on yourself and what you want to accomplish. And, um, like I said, the starting your own show or mic is definitely uh, one way to do it. Um, I think that really helps you get to book your own, uh, your favorite comics and just like be around them, get better, become better friends with them. Like I started See their um, work, so, start to understand, yeah, you have to exactly. become an expert. You have to yeah. become an expert of your thing, whatever it is. Like if you don't put in the work on the end of going, and even if you watch a tape, but also going to a live room and being like, how do you make this oh, work yeah. when there's five people? Because when there's a hundred people in a room and you You've made it somewhat, quote, whatever, but people are going to react really differently than when there's five people in a room. And like, how do you feel that out? I mean, a it's huge like, part of being, you know, oh, you're like com- being comfortable with the silence is one thing, just being yeah. comfortable. So many times, like if you say something that doesn't work, you could just like spiral and be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that was stupid. Oh, why did I even say that? Oh man. Like, and it's just like, just believe in what you're saying. 
even if it doesn't work, even if it doesn't hit, just like be comfortable in the silence and just like try and move past it and find other ways to like get the laugh. Mm. But it is, it's tough. It's just, it's just such a weird um, thing. Like you could say the same joke 10 times and it could hit all nine times, but that one time just doesn't work because of a breath that you took right before you're about mm-hmm. to start talking or because of the way that you looked over here. And it just is like such minuscule little details that like go wow. into every performance. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, it's such an interesting, um, you also really have to pulse out the audience, like what's going to work with them and what's not, which is like a whole life skill skill in so many ways. (laughs) It's truly crazy. I, um, I, I, last year I did a, like a self tour. Um, I like produced this whole tour across the entire country. It was called um, everything. You did everything. (laughs) Literally. I'm telling you, like you, you booked the hotels, you booked the venues, like you did it for like, that's what more people need to hear. Like if you want it, you can do it. You just, you might have to do it some crazy way. Yeah. So I, so I had, um, a couple friends that were getting married like a month apart from each other. And I was like, how can I, like every time I do anything, like, how can I include comedy into this? Love that. So I was like, maybe I'll just drive out there, make it a road trip and like book shows along the way and stay with my friends and just like do it that way. So I did, I, I called it like the, all my friends are getting married tour. And I started in LA. I drove all the way. Like I did the Southern route. Um, to Pennsylvania. I stayed on the East coast, went up and down to like, um, DC, uh, Maryland, Philly, New York city, uh, Boston. And then from Boston, I went the Northern route and I did like Omaha, Nebraska and like Milwaukee and Denver, Las Vegas. And then I went home to LA and that was a two month long journey. It was honestly like the greatest thing I ever did. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about the, about the country and what you can say, what you can't say. It made me mm. such a better performer. Um, the the hustle and the grind of it. Like one night I'd be performing at like a cigar shop in Maryland for 15 mm. people. And then the next night I'd be like featuring at Pittsburgh Improv for like 300. Right, like, the range. The range was insane. And that is yeah. what I, I just, I loved so much was like, doing like a shitty dive bar and then a club. And it was just such an amazing experience. Obviously I, I did have a lot of help. Like, like I said, Jay, the the comedian um, who I opened for in Boston, he, he helped me get some spots and, and it was just a lot of like bugging people, being persistent, asking, consistency, but what you got to do, you know? And yeah. so I did it and, and I did, um, here were, here were the stats. I, I traveled for 66 days and performed 43 shows in over 26 states and slept in over 33 places. And you can't say that your knowledge did not just blow the fuck up after putting yourself through that. I mean, you probably made yourself a better performer 500 times over. I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, it was just such an experience and I would totally recommend it to anyone. I mean, it's obviously like, it's just such a, I had this Google doc of like 15 pages long, which is like, I would just sit there and like, look at the clubs and see who was going to be performing at that weekend. And like who I sort of kind of knew and like who I could ask, or like, I, I looked up, I, I used a lot of like Instagram hashtags. Like I would just type in like Philly comedy and then I would like find shows that way. And it was, I, I would look at Eventbrite. I found a couple shows through Eventbrite. Like I don't, I was wow. just like, scavenging and I fucking loved it so much because like I feel like I am inherently like such a 
like such a scavenger. Like I love, I love like finding like bargain deals. I love like just like figuring out shit and like getting to like plan the route and then the shows along the way. It was such like structured spontaneity. Like I knew where I was going, but as soon as I got to that place, I had no idea what would happen after. And Mm -hmm. that was fucking beautiful. Like I met so many people who I'm like still friends with, who I like communicate with and want to like, like I'm going to Phoenix um, next week or next month. And um, you know, there's people that I met along the trip there that I'll be seeing again. And it was just such like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm so glad that I got to do it like at the age that I did, because it was socially acceptable to still sleep on my friend's couches, like in my early twenties. Um, but I was like, as soon as I hit 30, like that shit's not going to fly. So I got to do it. I don't it know. I might so push you to do it. Like who gives a fuck? Like, no, totally. Like, it's like, I'm staying in their guest bedroom, but like, like a year or two later, like it's going to turn into their kid's room. So oh, I, I know. Like, I got to do it now. It was, it was incredible. It was like such a great experience. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it helped a lot as a performer and as like a planner, just like producing all that myself. Um, I made like stickers and business cards. I really like tried to like, just like promote myself throughout. And um, yeah, I love how just like on the ground hustle you are. Like I, my favorite, one of my favorite things to say is always like, you can't complain about something if you're not willing to change it or do something about it. And like that, you were clearly like, I will do all the work. I don't need anybody to give me the permission to go do this. I'm going to make it happen for myself. Sure. There's going to be no's along the way, but then you just pivot to other, other things, other places. And how do you stay so like strong in your tenacity? (laughs) I mean, I think I just like, it is so hard because so often you can be like, oh, I just like, what am I doing? I mean, I ask that to myself all the time. What am I doing? But it's like, I, I just love it. And I just, I feel so like connected to this and like, just like the sense of belonging that I feel like in LA and on stage is just like something that I've never like felt before. And so that feeling keeps me going. Um, and just, just knowing that like your bad experiences are just as important as the good ones. Like you can't just go through this with like everything working out for you. Like you're gonna go through some shit and that's just as important as the good stuff because like, that's just what grounds you and, and, and keeps you humble. And I mean, there was a time I tried to get, I I tried getting booked on shows in Atlantic city, which was super hard. Like they're just very like inside with their own crew. Not a lot of outsiders, Mm -hmm. outsiders come in. So I was staying at my friend's beach house in Atlantic city, like by myself. And, um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking show up. I'm just going to show I'm n- I did not get booked on any of these shows. I tried so hard, but like, what am I going to do? Sit, like sit around. Like, I'm just going to show up to the show and see what happens. So I did. I like, I maneuvered through Atlantic city. I just like got into the club, into one of the casinos. And, um, I was like talking with the guys who were on the show and I kind of just was like, so, I mean, is there like any room for a guest spot? Like I just asked. And he was like, honestly, I respect that you asked. So I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to, he's like, I'm doing 15 minutes, but I'll shave off five so that you can do five. And I was like, okay, well, you don't have to do that. That's so generous and kind, but I would greatly appreciate it. So I'm like, I set up my camera. I'm like ready to go on stage after the next comic. And the manager goes, no, you're not going up. No, sorry. No, we don't have room. No, 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 no. And I was just like, okay. Like, I was like, I'm funny. I'll do well. And he was like, yeah, I looked you up, but you're not. No. And like gave me no other explanation. And I, and then the manager who told me, no, he goes up. And just starts doing misogynistic oh. fuck women material. Could I guess? And that. I'm like, okay, 
that's why I didn't get get up. Okay, I get, yeah. I, I get it. And like, of course, like that bummed me out, and like it was shitty. But I was like, but I needed to experience that. I am glad that I did because it shows me like just how people can be and what comedy is still like, and that you know I'm here to fucking change it. And hopefully, next time I come to Atlantic City, I'll be booked on a show, or he'll remember me, or I don't know. But it's just like there's definitely times of denial, and like so many times where you could be like, oh fuck this, like I don't want to do it anymore. But it's like you need the nose just as much as you need the yeses like they just they shape you they help you they make you a better person and performer and I just I love all the good and the bad so it's (laughs) that's incredible Mary you are literally such a gem like please tell everybody where they can find you I'm blown away by all the nuggets in this episode oh thank you uh you can find me on Instagram at Mary Romeo I also run a comedy show on the beach called the ocean Mike. you can check that out uh we're in our prime summertime so come out hang out with us and um yeah that's uh that's pretty much it <laughs> I love it thank you guys so much for listening thank you so much Mary and we'll see thank you guys you. Next it's week. so fun thank you so oh, much I'm so glad All right. Mary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I think it's going to be a really inspiring one. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. We come out with new podcast episodes every Tuesday. You can check us out on Instagram at Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. We also do have a TikTok, which is Wannabe It Girl Podcast. That might be wrong. I think it's right though. Um, Of course, I don't even know my screen name. What the hell? But guys, also, if you like the show, please do not forget to rate and subscribe. And if you're really feeling frisky, check out our YouTube page. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 